Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami for a special Thanksgiving episode where we talk about all of the positive economic and housing factors that make us optimistic as we look to the new year. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Wonderful to be here. By the way, I always have the American flag right in front of me on my desk every single day. This episode's going to be a little bit different. This is one of those that you and I get to talk about all the things that we should be thankful for and all the positive things that we could focus on in the housing uh, economy, in the housing industry from now to the end of the year. So we just we're recording this right before Thanksgiving, but it will come out right after Thanksgiving. And so this is like a feel good episode. It is a feel good episode, but not just in the housing market, just all of you that are listening right now, you got Willy Wonka's, you know, chocolate yellow ticket. I mean, to live in America this day, this time in history with all the things that we have known about how life was, how difficult it was a thousand, five hundred, two hundred, even a hundred years ago. And now at this time, uh, to be here, you are truly blessed like I am every single day. One of the reasons why. I, my motto is all American bears have failed since 1790, right? Uh, cycles come and go, but uh, we have some unique advantages here in the United States of America that other countries would just die to have. Um, and uh, we should be very fortunate that we're all here together. We are very fortunate. Okay, so let's let's outline some of these reasons to be positive, even in a uh, what has been a difficult year for our industry. Um, but yet there's there's all these reasons. So number one, housing credit data. Yeah, I mean, when we think about, you know, what's the main difference now um, compared to what we saw in 2008? Well, because home sales are pretty much, you know, where they were in the low points of uh, 2000. I think 2008, the existing home sales got to 3.77 million. We're at 3.79 million. My God, the credit the credit markets were getting destroyed. Foreclosures and bankruptcies were rising in 2005, 6, 7, and 8. Then after all that, the job loss recession started. So I think what's happened is that a lot of people who don't read didn't realize that for four years, the credit markets in America were 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 breaking. And also the Federal Reserve didn't read this either, by the way. It's not just uh, 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 crazy people. But um, back then, uh, credit was deteriorating. Lenders were going out of business from 2008 on. You know, Freddie and Fannie need to put in conservative. There was so much drama, right? You know, or f- foreclosure programs, stuff like this. None of that's happening. The 2010 qualified mortgage rule and the 2005 bankruptcy reform laws has have been two groundbreaking US uh, laws implemented that changed a lot of things and it's not you know there's no coincidence here in the sense that we just had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history with everyone talking about a recession every single day that didn't work then there was the covid-19 you know everybody thought we're in a depression covid-19 recovery model april 7th 2020 was based also on the fact that 
the credit channels were so much different. Homeowners were in much better shape. We have an affordability issue, of course, but if mortgage rates fall, demand can pick up. Back then, people were filing for foreclosures, bankruptcies, you know, conservatorships by the G. There was all this drama that was happening back then that we don't have now. Um, and I think that you know, uh, not only not only just on the housing side, but just on a, on a family side. You know, it's it's really interesting. The crazy lunatics of our country who just want to see home prices crash. They literally were like so mad that the there that announcement that the VA loans are going to be adjusted because it looks like some of the servicers didn't properly disclose certain things. And they're just so fuming and it and listen, part of the whole going after the forbearance crash bros is that people didn't realize most people have 30-year fixed mortgages. Fixed debt payment, rising wages, they're good. I mean, the global pandemic, had, it, not, they shouldn't have lost their jobs through a global pandemic, but you know, a lot of them got off of forbearance very quickly. And then the forbearance is like, what, 160000 now or something. It was a $5 million. People thought that would go to ten to $15 million. So we give thanks to the credit markets looking so much better. And that's that. all my thing is the credit markets, right? Credit channels, running inventory channels, credit markets, everything. All the charts that I put up every single time, every quarter when we get the new Fed update, I try to focus FICO scores, credit data, FICO scores, Fred credit, data, fixed debt costs. We're all grateful for this because it was a shield, right? America shielded it, its homeowners by making debt very vanilla. And boring is a good thing. Right. Sometimes boring isn't a good thing. You you don't want to be boring in some parts of your life, but in this case, boring is a good thing. Boring is a good thing. Okay. On that 30-year fixed mortgage, just today I saw on social some people uh talking about how um, you know, because people are locked in to such low rates for so long, and it's sort of, you know, it, it's having a a dampening effect on the market. Maybe the problem is the 30-year mortgage. And I couldn't disagree more. I know that you couldn't disagree more. <laughs> Can I get tissues? I gotta agree. I gotta go get tissues for people. You know, I mean, let me let me tell you what's happening in Canada. Let me tell you what's happening in the UK and other places. Homeowners are waking up to much higher total mortgage payments coming in soon. The 30-year fixed mortgage is a gift from the economic gods, right? And not a lot of countries can actually do that because you know the 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 plumbing of housing finance, they don't have Freddie or Fannie, you know, VA, FHA, this they, they don't have that. So uh the shielding of the US middle class in that sense, right? Um uh, Having a fixed payment and then having your wages rise and then your total housing cost becomes less in that sense. That is a gift from the economic gods. And that's a good thing, right? Uh, you don't want to be like what's, what people are doing in Canada right now. Maybe we have to do a 90-year mortgage to save people's you know, housings, okay? You don't want that smoker jazz, okay? Go to Canada. Go to, go to all these countries that have short-term rates and they're like, uh, you guys have the 30-year fix. You're so lucky, right? Now, for the longest time, those countries' home prices were growing much faster than ours. Not a lot of people knew this because when short-term rates are so much lower, their rates are actually lower than ours. The 30-year fixed is, is, is a higher rate. But 
that is a gift and it's a gift that keeps giving you you want to realize why <laughs> inventory isn't skyrocketing and you know people losing their homes and everything's fixed debt cost rising wages that is the US economic power it is People hate us for it. Every place I go to a tour, I tell people they all hate us for this, right? Because they don't have the plumbings for that. So uh, uh, we are, in that sense, uh, all homeowners, especially those that bought, uh, you know, pre-COVID or going into COVID or anything, they have that fixed debt cost, and it's your life gets so much easier when you don't have to worry about rates recasting and your mortgage payment going up 40, 50, 60% or trying to get a 90-year loan modification. So no, for the people that say the 30-year fix is a bad thing, I, I, I give me your address. I will send you a box of Kleenex, okay? Because <laughs> this is not this is one of our, our strengths, not one of our weaknesses. And it's one of the hedges against inflation, which you have said for a couple of years now, like the the hedge that it is against inflation. Yes, your your gas prices are going to rise and your going to the grocery store is going to get more expensive. But that check at the end of every month, if you're a homeowner, does not. You know, it, it, it is. We, we haven't had to deal with the growth rate of inflation really taking off for so many, so many years that if people forgot about this concept that the it's it's not, you know, so much so much of the discussion is your home value, but it's really the payment. That's why I try Try to get people to focus on the payment, and uh, uh, in inflationary times, your wages grow more because to compensate for the cost of living. But if you had a thirty-year fixed mortgage, I mean, imagine someone who bought their house in twenty twelve, you know, and they've been living in their homes longer and longer. Their wages rises, and then they've had a few refinancing ways. And here comes COVID; your wages rise even more, and you're refinanced again. You know, your total housing cost is so low. So that's, again, that's the hedge on inflation that, you know, I talk about a lot on TV or going on speaking uh, uh, tours. And it, it's been so long that we've even forgot about that concept, that that fixed debt payment, you know, of course, your property taxes could go up, your insurance could go up, but that even makes the 30-year fix even more valuable. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the hedge against inflation is a, is a very, very good and key thing. It is. Okay. Next thing to be incredibly thankful for is this giant wave of millennials coming up and Gen Z right behind them because this this is key to the housing market. I mean, imagine if the millennials weren't here or we didn't have Gen Z. We'd have basically Gen X homebuyers trying to buy from baby boomers who are trying to sell, who don't want to sell or, you know, you know, so much of my work is demographically based. And and I've always said that, you know, years 2008 to 2019, we'd have the weakest housing recovery because population growth for prime age labor force peaked in 2007. It declined. The household formation has to work up. Here's where America's strength is. We do have the millennials and we do have Gen Z. That's why I've always found the population doom people that kept on saying that the U.S. is finished as a country after 2008. They don't really know how to read that census data line correctly. So I always call them replacement buyers and consumers, right? There is none, none of us are Dorian Gray. We will all age and we're all going to die, right? So uh, we need to be replaced when we leave the workforce. Other countries, Europe, Japan, China, they don't have a young workforce to replace, you know, so replacement workers and replacement consumers. Uh, uh, this is why demographics is economics, 
And uh, uh, eventually, you know, especially after the, the latest census data, demographics will eventually take us down, you know, but not yet, right? And the key is millennials and Gen Z being massive, right? Bigger than the total population in Japan. It's, 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 it's a key factor as we have replacement consumers and uh, buyers. And as the baby boomers leave, they get to fill their jobs. And again, a very, a very good economy to be in. In the United States of America, because we still have demand growing. I mean, our you look at all the economies around the world; it's us. We're we're doing it again, right? Because uh, uh, we have certain strengths that uh, other countries don't have. And you know, um, I do have to give a shout out to other uh, Gen Z parents like myself, Logan. I'm part of this. Uh, part of the reason that we have millennials and Gen Z. I had three kids who are millennials and one who is Gen Z. So I've done my part. Okay. You've done your part. You've produced, and in the end, that's that's how human civilizations grow. That's they, how they it goes, and they they move forward. Yes, uh, I love that. Uh, I would I would like to note, you know, India, many countries in Africa, very young populations, and and that's a huge strength, right? Well, yeah, I mean they 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 have they have the potentials. Usually, I mean, uh, I, I, when we talk about a mature economy of wealth, right, we don't think about India or Africa or the Middle East, right? They're, they're still developing, but for a mature economy of our size and our wealth. And we're not that old, right? We're not that old of a country. To, to, the things that we've done in the United States of America are so amazing on a historical basis that, like I've said, you, you, go, to my, you go to my social media handles, it's very simple. All American bears have failed since 1790, right? The list is long, the grave is deep, and uh, we, we gather a lot more every single decade. We do. Okay. Next point of something that we should uh, be thankful for and, and be positive about is the fact that we have the reserve cor- currency of the world. You talk a lot about the dollar and you know sometimes you, you're like, no, it's not good that it's getting stronger. But tell us, tell us a little bit about the reserve currency. Sarah, you remember those crazy people that said the dollar was losing its value because the bricks, Russia, Brazil, those countries are going to de I mean, remember those? Who was that? Who was that crazy? I forgot who it was. Uh, uh, that we are going to become Venezuela. We're going to become this broke third world country because our currency is going to collapse and inflation is going to be rampant. And no, we call it King Dollar for a reason. Remember, oddly enough, this is funny. When Tom Brady actually did his little crypto scam thing. And he put the laser eyes on his little Twitter account and I retweeted him and I did my laser eyes and I said, King dollar. And that was actually right, right when the dollar started to make its big move higher. Uh, and of course we saw what happened to Bitcoin. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 we don't have to worry about, you know, a complete devaluation. You know who, you know who thinks about this? All the, the anti-central bank people think they always go Germany where the dollar is going to be like a bunch of cards and we're going to be like Zimbabwe or something. No, uh, we, we are the biggest economy in the world. We have good demographics. We have the reserve currency. We have the biggest military in the world. The notion that we're going to become a third world country overnight and inflations. There's Arkham Asylum and you need to be in a cell with the Joker and the Penguin. And that's probably where you belong. No, the United States of America is not going to collapse. Canada and Mexico aren't going to buy New York and Canada, uh, California. It's, uh, there's so much crazy talk. But here, again, once again, king dollar for a reason. Uh, and again, the problem can be the dollar gets too strong, right? And the world becomes a wrecking ball for the world economy. So uh, uh, be grateful of that because other countries don't have that. And when, when other countries have to deal with a strong dollar, you know, uh, it gets very... Very hectic out there. Uh, we are we're blessed with that, 
in the United States of America. I love it. Okay, another another point, and this one's kind of this one has uh, has a two edges to it, right? So we're, I'm going to say mortgage rates. Mortgage rates were the bane of our existence this year. Got up to eight percent. Historically, I know that's that's low, but not when home prices have been so high. So for people in housing, the mortgage rates this year have been terrible. But what is the silver lining there? What's the positive story about mortgage rates? <sighs> You know, it's interesting for me because, you know, as somebody who wrote in February of 2021, like, oh, we really do need higher mortgage rates because this is not a good thing. And then being part of team higher rates, you got to remember, Sarah, remember the quote I gave three different times in 2022 about why we need higher rates? Like my fear was that rates were going to peak earlier and head down. And I said, higher mortgage rates are the only thing that could put home sellers, home builders, and home investors on their ass. Right, because you need balance. Right, we we were in a very hectic, terrible, savagely unhealthy housing market. So mortgage rates went up; they offset each other. Uh, growth, the growth rate of pricing cooled down. Right, and because we have Freddie and Fannie and a functioning economy and King Dollar, the growth rate of inflation is falling. Mortgage rates shall eventually fall with it. Uh, we don't resemble the 1970s or third world country. We don't have to worry about mortgage rates getting to 10 to 12, 15 percent, or something, something like that. And then that long-term fixed rate will come back down, like the history of economics have showed us. And it's a positive in that light. Uh, uh, and I always look at it as the balancing act that needed to happen. And trust me, it's not a popular thing to say in 2021 and 2022, we needed higher rates. But if you look at that, the mechanism it did, you know, it, it, it cooled down the growth rate of pricing, which Im- imagine if mortgage rates didn't go up, where, where home prices would be today. Right, uh, and I understand the the detriment it does to an entire sector, but the entire sector was uh, the inflation was running out of hand. So, in time, the growth rate of inflation is falling. Mortgage rates will fall with it, and that'll be a positive for the housing market. Remember, housing gets disproportionately impacted when rates go up or rates go down. And twenty twenty two is a good example. We had four million jobs created that year. The economy was expanding. But we had the biggest home sale crash. And again, that's a lot of that has to do with home prices and rates together. Home prices escalated out of control. And uh, that was the fear after the end of 2020. But again, having that 30-year mortgage, there's no dollar reserve currency being lost or anything. It'll come back down. And then we'll find that equilibrium between supply and demand. Uh, uh, other countries don't have this. <laughs> and we are hopeful that 8% was the high. I mean, we do not see 10% rates coming down uh, in between here and the end of the year, correct? You know, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. When when we talked about 8% mortgage rates early in the year, we said, what would need to occur, right? Uh, so number one, the spreads actually got worse after the banking crisis. So that's almost a half a percent higher than what we would normally had before the banking crisis. So uh, if that wasn't there, uh, we would have never gotten to even 8%. But 8% also came in with 5% GDP growth and jobless claims going back down lower. So, and that was the main point. For To get 8% rates, you need the economy to outperform. And then you need the Fed to mess up. The Fed messed up. They went hawkish at the right, wrong time. And then we we were there for a little bit. Uh, real yields were very restrictive and it's coming back down. And again, again it, the best case for 8% mortgage rates is for the economy to outperform again. And, and, and the Fed just pushing the, you know, we want a recession kind of theory, but not the case right now. So right now we're, we're heading back down towards 7%. But um, uh, yeah, you know, there are other major problems you can have in an economy. 
uh, uh, millions of jobs being lost, lack of demand, population growth falling, you know, stuff. We don't have that. And eventually in time, 30-year fix will come down with the growth rate of inflation falling and the economy softening up on the labor side. So um, I would on this one, we have some tools that can help the economy if needed. This is sort of another difficult one, though, because I wouldn't say that you're thankful for the Fed necessarily. <laughs> I, well, let me ask you. you I thinking? am so grateful for it. Listen, Sarah, whatever my criticism of the Fed has been after, you know, the, you know, the second half of 2022, I, I, I stress the people go back to the 1800s. And every economic cycle had a panic, right? Uh, everything was just crazy back then. Once we had the Fed, we had a lender of last resort. We have a more functioning uh, uh, economy. And their job is to keep it simple, price stability, and maximum employment, right? Uh, they had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history, and price stability was there, okay? They did a great job. People didn't like it on the left or right because they're crybabies all the time, but they did that. COVID-19 came, right? They stepped in. We went from, you know, people crying about a depression and hoarding toilet paper to, you know, one of the greatest recoveries ever recorded in history that was timestamped on April 7th, 2020. Um, And, you know, dealing with global pandemics, it's it's our new thing, right? So even though I criticize the Fed, the very last thing, you would want us to end the Fed because the people that want to end the Fed are one group of people and they wake up every single day. They are bearish 24-7. This is a doom porn clan all the time. You don't want that group to be your leading voice, right? So uh, uh, as much as I criticize the Fed lately on, on some of their things, I there is no way I'm in the end the Fed camp because if the Federal Reserve needed to, they can pull levers and do things to help the economy. If you don't have them there, you're, you're in trouble. So uh, yes, I'm very grateful for the Fed. Okay. I'm grateful because I read history and things were really bad before the Fed was created. And the people that hate the Fed are usually people that are, they wake up every single day and they have that dark hole in their soul. And no matter what happens, they're always angry and bearish. And you don't want to be this. You live once in this world live your life with your family and friends and your loved ones. Enjoy the time you have. Don't get into these fanatical cult groups and every single day there's something terrible. It's it's not you live once. Don't don't waste your time with that. Okay, so on a related note, uh you are very thankful uh in a in contrast to many other people that Fannie and Freddie are still in conservatorship. To you this is a this is a hallmark of financial stability for us. So explain that. You know, it's hilarious. The funny part about this, about, you know, the the unsung hero of COVID was that Freddie and Fannie were in conservatorship and Mark Calabria wanted to get that away, you know, and he couldn't do it in time. And it became, you know, I mean, just forbearance and having credit work. Um, and I know a lot of people say that we have to get him out of conservatorship because the, you know, political swings are, they're just, listen, this is way too important of of two entities that flow credit to allow them to be in the public. And look at Silicon Valley Bank, Citizen Bank, all these banks went out like this. They just went like this. The market can be brutal, right? And if Freddie and Fannie stocks are going like this and everybody's going, what's going to happen? And you don't want that smoke and jazz, right? So it's worked. 
We had the longest economic and job expansion in history. Credit worked. COVID-19 recovery, credit worked, right? It is a functioning tool. They are two big giants that are too important to the economy to do this. Um, so yeah, I, I would have such a different take on housing if these were like publicly traded companies and not in uh, government conservatorship, you know, um, we would then put the risk of, you know, the 30 year fixed mortgage isn't, you know, going to be functioning right or certain things can't be done. So I am grateful for that. I've talked about that long time. Part of the COVID-19 recovery monitor, probably the things I've always talked about by credit, not getting tighter is because Freddie and Fannie are in conservatorship and uh, it's much different. And, you know, if, if people don't remember what happened during the uh, housing crisis, you know, th- those two were, you know, stocks were going to zero. Nobody even knew they were going to lend credit anymore. And you, you, you don't have that system. None of that's happening. Right. You know, if mortgage rates, if home prices didn't escalate out of control or, or you know, if we just had more uh, stable thing, we'd be, have a very flowing, boring housing market that would be functioning, working well. But uh, uh, yeah, the one of the unsung heroes uh, in the American economic story is that Freddie and Fannie are in conservatorship uh, uh, and they they don't have to worry about the markets forcing them to get tighter uh, uh, on them because of their stock price. So related to this, in, in a way, is um, the 1970s inflation fear. So we can be thankful that this is that we don't have 1970s style inflation. And I have to say, Logan, right now, for people who are uh, watching you, watching us on YouTube, they might see your shirt and like it. Yeah, this be- is like the, I remember. You know, this is like the color of the wallpaper where I lived in San Francisco when I was a kid. I was like, okay, 70s. You know, it's a so, 70s um, vibe right now. Over, yeah, it's a 70s vibe. Yeah. Uh, you know, labor force growth, oil shocks. We, you know, again, I would say if you if you adjusted to inflation, oil prices would be like four hundred and fifty dollars today to get the oil shock that we had back then. Um, you know, the the seventy four seventy five recession just destroyed apartment construction, and you know, of course, rent inflation is so much inflation. We we had those things, and people forget the misery index. You know. I don't. I was like four years old, Sarah, in 1979. So you probably have a better memory about me. But you know, with the unemployment rate high and inflation high, that's that's a terrible mix, right? That's just a horrible mix. That's why the misery index is so high. But now, right? Look what happened, right? The Fed didn't need to do the last one and a half basis hikes. You know, the inflation growth rate was going to fall by itself. Right, the whole we need to create a job loss recession because it's the 1970s, and then no, you don't, baby boomer, go away. Right, so the growth rate of inflation is falling, the unemployment rate is low. This is a benefit, right? Not the 70s where you had high inflation and high unemployment rates. Uh, you know, what I realized is that the 70s ruined a lot of the baby boomers. I think that's it. You know, so of course you're not a baby boomer, Sarah. Thank you for so thank you for clarifying you. that. I appreciate yeah, that. So, but. Um, yeah, I mean, back then you can imagine. Imagine if the unemployment rate is ten percent and we had, you know, double digit inflation and and uh, fifteen, sixteen percent mortgage rates. We got a lot of grumpy people. Um, not the case. Uh, and it could, different dynamics, labor force dynamics, different there. Uh, oil shock different, but here the growth rate of inflation is falling. Unemployment rates are low. Jobless claims are low. Job openings are high. Be grateful for that because uh, uh, that was a that was a nasty time back then and. Uh, much different this time around. 
much different. I do remember um, sitting in gas lines, uh, those really long gas lines waiting to, to fill up your car or extra extra canisters that you had. Well, I think my little Tonka trunk must have been, you know, 24-7 because I didn't have a gas truck for that. <laughs> so, Logan, thank you so much for being on. You know, um, I appreciate you and your insights, and I appreciate your optimism about America and our economy and housing in particular, because, you know, it's it's not always a positive spin that we can put on things. But from my perspective, this isn't a spin. Today is about remembering the the fundamentals that really undergird this economy and especially the housing economy and, and why we should be thankful for those things. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, you look around the world right now and you got a lot of economies still struggling. You got war and invasion from neighboring cities. You know, we have friendly neighbors. We have two oceans separating us. So there's no invasion ever going to happen here because we have the biggest and strongest military in the world. There are things that we have here in the United States of America that we take for granted. And uh, you, again, you, you, you won the golden ticket if you're living in America this time in history. Uh, things uh, used to be a lot rougher and around the world, it's much different. So, I've always said it's a very unfair advantage, the things we have here for a country that's not that old, but that's what made us great, right? You know, and uh, uh, hopefully people can understand that economic cycles come and go. You know, we believe in economic models and everything. We, we, we will we'll talk about recessions or stuff like that or things happening. But this doomsday clan that has been here since 1790, man, you don't want to go to the graves with them, right? You know, you only live once. Enjoy it with your friends and family as much as you can and be grateful that you're living here and not other places. Thank you for being on. And we will return to our more regular programming uh, the next time I talk to you. But thanks again, Logan. And I hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We're uh, recording this before Thanksgiving. But yes, uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, Logan just raised his American flag that he has there on his desk. So thanks again. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.